We are in week two of Colossians. If you're new here or if this is your first week in a while, um, welcome back. And so last week we talked about how to walk worthy and we looked at Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Today I get to talk to you about Colossians 1, 15 through 23. And you can see kind of the breakdown of the entire uh, seven weeks that we're going to be hitting on. And it's all about walking and how we're walking um, according to the things of God and the word of God. And Paul laid out really well in this book what it looks like to walk with God. And so I'm excited for this series. Uh, a lot of people have been already talking about how great it's been for them. But I want to talk to you today about how to walk a consistent life. Now, consistency is one of the most undervalued practices, I believe, of our current generation. And, you know, I'm on the, the, I'm on the very edge of a millennial, like barely. But I think that as a millennial and with the millennials, we are enamored with the new aren't we? Like we love the fresh. We love the startup, the new ventures. Uh, we don't stay anywhere very long, in fact. We don't stay in a job very long. We don't stay in a church very long. Oh, snap. Uh, we don't stay faithful in spiritual disciplines for very long. Consistency is something that I think we often lack. And this generation, even in our culture and world, we lack. It's one of the most difficult, undervalued, challenging practices. And yet I believe consistency is the key to success. It really is. If we're going to be successful in life, we need consistency. If we're going to be successful in our walk with God, we need consistency. Uh, Lincoln Chase said this, trust is built with consistency. My wife trusts me now because we've been married we're about to hit 10 years. We've been married now almost 10 years. She trusts me now more than she did eight years ago or nine years ago or even five years ago. Why? Because the consistent husband I've been, the consistent love I've shown her has helped her trust to build. Some of you have heard of this guy, Tony Robbins. He said this, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we do consistently. You see, there's power in consistency. So I have, we have a staff here at Project Church, and uh, we have a West Sac campus. We have a West Sac campus pastor. His name is Lauren. And we also have a production director whose name is Michael. Maybe you didn't know that, but we have a production director. And these two guys started talking trash to me about basketball uh, about a week ago. And they were talking about how they could shoot and how they could maybe beat me in a shooting contest. So, of course, like, they lay out the gauntlet. I'm like, let's go. And so this week on Wednesday, we met at the gym at 6.30 a.m. for a three-point contest. So 6.30 a.m., we show up, and they got there early, of course, uh, earlier than me to warm up. And we're getting ready. What we're going to do is we're going to do 20 shots. So five different spots and four shots in each spot. 20 shots, you know, most makes wins. And uh, I knew that I had a pretty good chance because I've seen them both shoot. I've seen their form. And uh, when you can read Spalding as the ball is on the way to the hoop, you know it's not good form. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, some of you don't get that. But th that's when you know. Like when the ball has no rotation or forward rotation, like uh, it's a pretty good chance that I'm going to win. And so they're warming up, and I'm like, bro, this is going to be so easy. Like I'm going to just smash these dudes. And so Lauren steps up, our Westside Campus Pastor. He goes 20 shots. I don't want to you know, throw him under the bus and tell about how many he made, but let's just say it was less than one. Uh, so 
20 shots, less than one. It, it was a sad exhibition that we, that we witnessed there. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, I know I'm going to win now. Like, I, I just got to make one to beat him. Um, and then Michael steps up. And Michael gets up, and he, he was the one that was talking the most. And he also is the one with the forward rotation. So I'm like, all right, this is, they have no chance. He steps up, and he makes three of the first four. And he makes two of the next four. He proceeds to go around. The dude makes 12 for 20 three-pointers. I am in shock. The ball, I can read Spalding the whole way to the hoop, and it's going in. And I am like, dude, are you kidding me? He just made, like, that's like 60%. He just made 12 out of 23. So I step, I'm like, all right, I got to bring my A game today. And so I go around. I get to the last spot. I have four shots left, and I have made nine. And so I'm feeling the pressure. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to make three just to tie him. Three just to tie him. And so I step up, and the Lord is good to me, and I make all four to seal the deal and win it, all right? So, man, thank you, Lord, because that was, that was about to be a humbling moment. But we did it again. I was like, let's go again, and let me just say that it wasn't even close to 12 the second time. There's something about consistency, isn't there? And what I found is in our walk with God often, and in my walk with God, and I've seen in other people's walk with God, is sometimes we get really high or really low. And when we get too high or too low or when we're, we're our, our emotions and our, our ability to follow God is always based on what we're feeling in that day or feeling in that moment or feeling that week, feeling that month, we lose out on the consistency. Now, there's no way Michael could consistently make 12 out of 23 pointers. But he did in a moment, right? He had that day. And we have our days when things are great. But what happens is when we lack consistency in our walk with God, then when we hit, you know, 0 for 20, like my boy LZ, Lauren, when we go 0 for 20, we have a, a day where we're lower, then our emotions crash and we find ourselves wanting to push away or walk away or not walk with God in the same way. And the reality is this, in life, you're going to have ups and downs. In life, you're going to have seasons where things are good and seasons where you're going through a struggle. You're going through a storm. But I want to encourage you that we would be a people that walk a consistent life. That walk the consistent walk with God. Because there's power in consistency. So much power. I want the people around me to know what they're going to get. And I know that some of you are like, pride yourself on being a wild card. Where are my wild cards at? You're like, that's me. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm a wild card. Okay, no one, just Aaron in the back raising his hand. But, but I know some of you, you're thinking that, right? You're like, I'm a wild card. That's me. That's what I do. Um, you pride yourself in that. But I want, I want the people around me to know what they're going to get. I want my family. I want my wife. I want them to see. see and, and my wife, when she talks about me, she'll tell you, like, he's just steady. He's consistent. She knows what she's going to get with me. And sometimes too much so she says, you're a robot. Like, you need to stop. Like, have some emotion, right? And some of you can relate to that. But this is why Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Um, and, and we're talking about Colossians. And he wrote to the church in Colossus. But he wrote in the book of Corinthians, he wrote this. He says, I run the race with endurance. You see, endurance is about consistency, isn't it? You're running at a steady pace 
for a long period of time. He said, I run the race with endurance as to obtain the prize. And I love Paul because he always used like sports metaphors and I get that. And uh, I like to win. And I know many of you like to win. We want to obtain the prize. I'm here to tell you, we cannot obtain the prize. We can't finish well if we don't learn to run the race with consistency. If we don't learn what it looks like to have endurance along this journey. Because life will hit you and life will knock you down. But when you have consistency in your heart and consistency in your walk with God, you'll be able to get up and to keep going. And there's something powerful about people that keep going, isn't there? There's something powerful about those people. So I want to talk to you today about how to walk a consistent life. To walk a consistent life, we have to follow the most consistent one. His name is Jesus. He set the example of consistency for us. Last week we talked about how to walk worthy. Today we're going to talk about how to walk a consistent life. So let's jump in here. How do we walk a consistent life? Number one. We trust his plan. Everybody say, God's plan. Everybody say it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I can't like anymore since that song, since Drake ruined, he ruined the phrase God's plan for me. Because every time anyone says it, I just start singing the song in my head. Thanks, Drake. All right. Trust his plan. Let's read. I need to read Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 15 through 23. Y'all still with me today? You're a little quiet. Just want to make sure you're, I know it's Memorial Day. Y'all thinking about the barbecue you're about to go to, pool time. I don't know. Thank the Lord. We had rainy 60 degrees on Friday. It's going to be 94 tomorrow. That's, that's how, how we do it here in California, Sacktown. Let's go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making, making peace by the blood of his cross. So that section I just read, 15 through 20, that was the messianic poem that the video talked about. Were you guys paying attention? So that was the little messianic uh, poem that, that the video talked about with all kinds of references to Genesis and Exodus. And so that little poem ends there. And then we're going to read verse 20 through 23 where it says, or 21. And you, so now it's talking about us as followers of Christ. It was talking about Jesus. Now it's us. You, who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above, above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, so this is where the whole main idea of today is about, this idea of consistency. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. Everybody say steadfast. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So let's talk today about how to walk a consistent life. Number one, we got to love the church. Or sorry, number one, we got to trust his plan. I already gave it to you. We got to trust his plan. Last week we talked about how there are two 
major themes in this book. The first one is Jesus' sufficiency. And so last week, we talked about his sufficiency, and that's where the idea behind this series comes. Jesus is enough, right? He's all we need. It's about his sufficiency. He is sufficient for our lives. But the second theme we see in this book is actually first stated here in verse 15 through 17, which is Jesus' supremacy. Everybody say supremacy. As in Jesus is supreme over all. He is in control of all. We have to trust his plan because when we trust his plan, we're trusting the supremacy of the Savior Jesus that we serve. We have the example of God in the flesh. You know, Jesus was God and came to, down to the earth in the flesh. We now have his example to follow. And he himself yielded his will to the will of the Father. Jesus is praying at the end of his life. He's in the garden and he's praying to God. He knows he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be betrayed by Judas. And Jesus prays and he says, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. So any of you that have ever gone through a situation or a struggle and asked God, like, God, can you get me out of this? God, can you take me from this? You're no different than Jesus. So feel, you can feel better about yourself. And you're like, man, I've gone through some stuff and I've gotten maybe even mad at God or I've asked God to take it out of my life. And, and, and that's okay. But what Jesus follows it up with is what we have to follow our prayer up with. Because Jesus says, if possible, take this cup from me. If possible, don't make me do this. If possible, may I not have to go to the cross. But then he says this, yet not my will, but your will be done. Did you see that? So what happens is we go through a thing or a struggle or a situation or a storm or a hard time in our life. And we go, God, take this from me. Get me out of this. But we also have to follow it up and say, but God, not my will. Your will. I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to trust that you know best because we don't see what God sees. And what he may be allowing us to go through may be setting us up for something in the future. What we may be experiencing now in our struggle, in our storm, may actually be a part of our testimony moving forward. We don't know what God is developing in us in this season, in this situation, that's going to set us up for success in the future. So what I'm saying is you got to trust his plan. And I know it's hard because we are controlling. I don't know about you. I like to control things. I got, I, God, I got this. I got this unlocked. Let me tell you how this is going to go, God. Let me tell you how I want things to be. This is what we do. We try to control it, but we got to trust the plan of God. My son, Canaan, he's, he's six now, and... Recently, he's been saying to me, like, Dad, I want to grow up. I want to grow up now. I wish I was big now. I wish I was grown up now. And he'd say, Dad, I want to be just like you. I'm like, son, that's a good goal for your life. <laughs> just like me. Dad, I want to be just like you. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, what do you mean by that? He's like, Dad, I want to eat candy every night before bed because he, he sees my wrappers in the morning. I have an issue, okay. I, I'll tell you this. I'm consistent at candy every day. Uh, <laughs> He says, Dad, I want to be like you. Dad, I want, I want to be on my phone. I want to be on the phone all the time like you, Dad. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, this is what he sees. But when I told him, I said, Kenny, you're not ready. I said, God made it so we grow up over time because it develops things in us. Now, at six years old, 
he has this idea that I just want to be big now. He doesn't understand why he can't just be big now. Why he can't just be grown up now. Why he can't do all the things adults do now. But what he doesn't see is that it takes time to develop the character and the, the person. And even his body needs time to develop and grow to be uh, what it will be one day. He doesn't see that plan that God had and how he designed us to even grow and mature and, and develop. And yet we're just like my little six-year-old son so often. Want to control everything. We don't want to walk through situations and circumstances. But God's like, look, I got a plan. You got to trust my plan. If you're going to be consistent, you got to trust the plan that God has for your life. In verse 17, it actually says, and he is before all things, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. Everybody say hold together. All things hold together. Now the word Hold together is a Greek word, and it's sunisteo. And this Greek word hold together or sunisteo means literally to set together, to make stand, to constitute or consist. Did you see that? Hold together. God is holding, or Jesus is holding all things together. In him, all things are held together. But what I found is that we need to constitute. To consist of Jesus. Because when we consist of Jesus, and these words consist and constitute are actually root words of what we're talking about today, which is consistency. When you consist of Jesus, you are able to be more consistent in your walk. We want to consist of him. We want to be held together, not by our strength or our power, but by the presence and the power of Jesus Christ in our life. We need to be people that say, I want to consist of him. I want to consist of Jesus. Because when we consist of Jesus, we can live consistent moving forward. Consistent lives. You know, I, I find it interesting that we, we do want to control everything. And I wanted to say this to you about this idea look trust God's plan and, and here's why when you trust God's plan more you trust your plan less when you allow and hold things loosely and don't control things like we naturally tend to do and want to do then God will lead us down the right path he'll help us to be consistent here's what happens a controlling person is an inconsistent person and so I know some of us are, are, have the propensity or the proclivity to be controlling. But I'm here to tell you, if we don't learn to let go of control, to trust the plan of God, to trust Jesus with our life, we will continue to be inconsistent in our walk. Continue to be inconsistent. We have to let go of control and trust Jesus. Number two today, how to walk a consistent life. Love the church. Love the church. You walked in here today, you didn't know this was going to be one of the points. Love the church. You know, I hear a lot today, a lot of people saying they don't, that they, they like Jesus, they just don't like the church. Hear that all the time. I've actually heard people, I love Jesus, man. I just, I, I, don't, I don't like the church. I hate the church, in fact. But if you were paying attention when I read the passage, verse number 18, it says, he... Being Jesus is the head of the church. He being Jesus is the head of the body, 
the church. So I want to tell you right now that this idea of Jesus and the church, the Bible teaches us Jesus is actually the head of the church. The two are not mutually exclusive. You can't love Jesus and hate the, hate the church. They're a package deal. The church and Jesus are a package deal. Now I get it when people say it because their idea and what they're trying to get at is that they don't like the idea of what church has become. They don't like the denominations and the, the dividing lines and they don't like the legalism and the judgmentalism and the hypocrit hypocriticalness that's in the church. All these things that they don't like. And so what they do is they remove themselves from the church and they go, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. I love Jesus, I'm going to just serve Jesus on my own time. I'm going to serve Jesus my way. I'm going to serve Jesus the way I can do it, the way it fits my, you know, my likes or dislikes. I'm going to serve Jesus in that way. But here's what I would say to you, because it says Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Here's the problem with that. When Christians remove themselves from the body, a part of the body, a member of the body is missing. And if a member of the body is missing, then the body can't operate to its fullest potential or capacity. So what I'm seeing is that people are getting hurt, and I get it, you're going to get hurt. But I want to tell you, there's times because because we're human, and we hurt each other. There's been a few times where I bit my lip. But I'll tell you straight up, I did not pull my teeth out because I bit my lip. Or I didn't say, I'm done with this body of mine because that hurt too bad. No, I learned from it. And I'm more careful the next time. I'm not going to pull myself out or pull apart out. And so here's what I would say to us because I think the propensity will be, you will be hurt at some time because people hurt people. Because we're human and, and we're broken and we're messed up. But if you remove yourself from the church, and I'm just talk, not just talking about private church. I'm talking about the church in general. If you remove yourself from the ecclesia, which is the word that's used here in Greek, the ecclesia, which is a, a community of believers, it's us. The church is not a building. The church is people. We are the church when we go to work Tuesday this week through Thursday, through Friday. We are the church when we're at home with our family. We are the church when we're at the supermarket. We are the church when we're hanging out with our friends. But if we remove ourselves from the church because we get wounded at some point in time, the church, the body is missing a key member. And I'm here to tell you, you matter in the body. You are important in the body. You are important for the body. And what happens is we get so caught in ourselves and, and me and how I feel what we don't recognize or realize is that we're actually hurting the body as a whole. Because if you're missing, then we're missing something. The church is missing a key part of it. You know, I love the church because of real relationships. Because the church is where I found accountability in my life growing up. And the church is where I continue to have accountability in my life now. The relationships, because it's not about a building, it's about people. The relationships that I found in this ecclesia, in this church, in, in this Christian community of people is the accountability that I need for my life. And I want to tell you right now, an unaccountable person is an inconsistent person. 
if we are not accountable to someone in our life, we will continue to walk inconsistent in our life. You need accountability. I need accountability. So we must love the church. Number three. Are you still with me? Okay. You guys are just soaking it up today. That's great. How to walk a consistent life. Embrace the peace Jesus gave. We got to embrace the peace. Say peace. It says verse 20. Verse 20. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, what Jesus did on that cross brought peace to this earth. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. That's one of the names given to him when he was born. The Prince of Peace. When we embrace the peace Jesus gave, we can walk as peace-filled people. The problem is a lot of us are full of anxiety and fear. We're walking this life out with anxiety. We're walking this life out with fear. We're walking this life out with stress. The price that Jesus paid should have released peace in our hearts and lives. And I'm here to tell you that an anxiety-filled person is an inconsistent person. And I get it. There's people that are dealing with real, like, mental challenges, issues, and there's medication for that. But I think that a lot of Christians are struggling with anxiety, with fear, with stress. And it's not because of some kind of mental chemical imbalance that's happening. I think a lot of Christians are dealing with it because they have not fully embraced the peace that's found in Jesus Christ. That when you know Jesus and you trust that he's in control, then you don't have to worry about if everything's going to work out. We're trying to control it, control the situation. We want things to work out a certain way instead of saying, God, you're in control. You got it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to stress about it. I do my part. I work hard. I'm faithful. But at the end of the day, it's in your hand. And until we embrace the peace of Jesus, we will continue to walk as anxiety-filled people. And if you are anxiety-filled, you cannot be consistent. You will continue to be inconsistent. I played golf on Friday. I went to a country club. I'm about that country club line, so I tucked my shirt in today, y'all. Um, so, so country club, a friend of mine is actually my cousin-in-law. He was like, hey, do you want to go play with me? I'd never played this course. I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Like, that's, that'd be amazing. So he brought me. And uh, we get to the, the, the driving range. We're warming up at the range. And, uh, you know, I'm a decent golfer. I don't golf a lot, but, uh, you know, I'm okay and uh, average. And, and so he's like, hey, I just want to let you know that the, the course pro is going to be playing with us today. I was like, say what? The course pro is going to be playing? Like, you invited me out here and then brought the pro along? Like, I, I ain't about that, okay? And so we get to the first tee, and let me tell you something. I was filled with anxiety. I mean, my hands were almost shaking. They were shaking. I'm stressed, right? I'm sweating. I get up to the first tee. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, the pro's watching me. And, and, and he's standing right there, and. It was a stress-filled round. It took a few holes, and then this moment came. I think we were like four holes in. I was still dealing with like this anxiety because he's watching me. I wasn't playing that great. And uh, the pro went to hit this ball from about 60 yards away and chunks it. 
Which if you know anything about golf, that means he hit behind it and the ball flew like 10 yards. I was like, oh my goodness, even the pros do it. Thank you, Lord. And like in that moment, my stress and anxiety went away. I was good the rest of the way. The problem is a lot of us, we're walking around with this anxiety. You want to know why I had anxiety? Because I was worried about what he thought. You know why I had fear, stress, anxiety? Because I wanted him to think I was something. I wanted him to look at me and say, oh, this guy, he's a good young golfer. Oh, wow, this is really, really good for an amateur. You know, I wanted him to think these things. And so as a result, I was filled with stress, anxiety. What I think is a lot of us are too worried about what man thinks instead of trusting in God's plan. We're too worried about what man thinks instead of what God thinks. If we're going to walk a consistent life, we cannot let anxiety guide our life. And I believe anxiety is driven by a, 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 this idea of pleasing man. How many of, of us are living to please man? To please the people around us. So that people look at us and say, wow, he's something. She's something. They've done something with their life. Embrace the peace that Jesus gave. At the end of the day, the life we're living was meant to be lived for one person, and that's him. You were put on this earth to glorify God, to bring praise and honor and glory to God. Number four today, how to walk a consistent life. Keep walking. Oh, man, this is deep. How do you walk a consistent life? You keep walking. You keep going. And you, you. So this is where it shifts. So we, it's all been about Jesus up to this point, the messianic poem. Now verse 20, there's this shift that happens. Now it's about us, the church. And he's writing to the church in Coloss. But, but I believe these letters that were to the church then can be applied to us today. Because they're going through a lot of the same stuff we're going through. It says, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... And has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't go back to the old life. Don't go back to the same way of living. The enemy will do everything he can to discourage you. Here's what the enemy does. He tries to put discouragement in you because he knows discouragement will lead to disconnect. And then the disconnect or the discon sorry, the discouragement will lead to discontent and the discontent will lead you to disconnect. Do you see that? So the enemy wants to discourage you so you become discontent with your life, discontent with what's happening around you, discontent with your situation. And then the discontent will lead you to disconnect from the body, from the church, from Jesus, from the hope that you have in him. The enemy, he has just a few weapons. Sometimes we, we, give, the, we give Satan too much credit. But one of his most powerful weapons is discouragement. He wants to discourage you because he you knows if he gets you discouraged, you become discontent. And if you get discontent, then you disconnect. And the enemy thrives on people who are alone. Because when he gets you alone, you're more vulnerable, aren't you? When he gets you alone, 
that's when your vulnerabilities come out. But when you're surrounded, when you're in relationship, when you keep walking in the faith, when you don't disconnect from the faith and the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, that's when you're protected. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. We will reap if we do not give up. If the keys will come back, the band, we got to keep going. We got to keep walking. We got to keep moving forward. Let me tell you something. A stagnant person is an inconsistent person. The enemy wants to discourage you, build discontent in you, so you disconnect. And what he wants to do is he wants to get you stuck. He wants to get you stuck, stagnant, stuck where you are. And what I found is a lot of people in the church feel stuck feel stuck in our faith we still stuck in our walk with God we still feel stuck in our relationship with God we feel stuck in our relationships with other people but there's something powerful about those people who just keep walking who just keep going and they're figuring it out along the journey life will knock you down you know that don't you life will hit you life will knock you down but the people that get up and keep going that's the consistency that I'm talking about today. That we keep walking. We keep going. Finally today, how to walk a consistent life. You got to hold on to hope. If indeed you continue in the faith, verse 23, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. I've seen a lot of people shift from the hope of the gospel. And I believe it's it's because they've been, they found discontent in their heart. You know, I had people come to me, like, Caleb, I, I was serving God, and now I'm, I'm 29 years old, I'm 30 years old, I'm 31 years old, I still haven't found a spouse. So I, I just got to try to do it my way. You disconnect. Discontent led to, led to a disconnect. Hold on to hope. Don't shift from the hope of the gospel. You see, a hopeless person is an inconsistent person, aren't they? A hopeless person will walk inconsistent. But when you have hope, when you hold on to hope, when you know the hope, when you grab hold of hope, you will continue to move forward. You will continue to walk consistently. You see, hope is found in Jesus alone the one that will make you consistent because he set the example of consistency my kids my wife my family i want them to look at me and say look my dad my husband he's consistent does that mean i'm perfect no but i want at the end of my life them to look at me and say look he lived a consistent life he lived a faithful life he got knocked down a few times, and I have been. He fell down a few times, and I have. He stumbled and fell a few times, and I definitely have done that. But he got up, and he kept going. He kept following God. He didn't let go of the hope that he latched on to in Jesus Christ, holding on to and walking out that hope. You know, my, my dad's here, and he set a great example for me of what consistency looks like. 
consistency walking with God, consistency of being a good husband, consistency of being a good father, consistency of, of continuing to follow Jesus. I want my kids to look at me and say the same thing. And some of you think about Jesus and maybe you're here saying like, I don't know, was, was Jesus that consistent? Because I mean, he kind of like burst on the scene and healed a bunch of people and then died on the cross. I mean, that was, his life was like, wow, extra, did amazing things. But here's what I, I just want to remind you of. Because some of you are like, I don't know if I want to be consistent. I want to do big things. Jesus was unknown until he was 30 years old. For 30 years, he lived in a town called Nazareth of 100 people. 30 years, he, he grew up and lived in this town. 100 people. It says that he worked as a carpenter. So let's even say he, he became an adult, a man at 17, 18 years old. The next decade plus, he just consistently showed up in the morning, built wood with his hands, was faithful and diligent with his family. He's a good person, honored those around him, honored his mother and father. And then his moment came and God used him to change the course of human history so we could know the hope that is found in him. And so I just wanted to remind you of that because I think some of us are right now wallowing in relative anonymity and you're struggling in it. But I wanted you to hear this because I believe God wanted to say to you, I see your consistency and I'm honored by it. And I'm blessed by it. And there are people coming that will be impacted and there are people in your life that lives are being shaped and changed and destinies are being set in place because of the consistency in which you're walking. So I want to tell you, keep being consistent. Keep walking out the consistency in what God has called you to. But don't let go of the hope. You see, here's the hope. That even when you are inconsistent, Jesus still loves you. Even when you do fall and make a mistake, Jesus still died for you. Even when you walk and stumble and fall, Jesus still gave his life for you. That's the hope that we have. That we have been set free from our sin, free from our past, free from our mistakes, and free from our inconsistency by what Jesus did on that cross. You see, he takes our inconsistencies took him with, us, with him to that cross and sets us free. That's the hope that we get to hold on to today. Would you bow your heads with me across this place?